everyone, and welcome back to The Lone Conservative. Uh, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do any cutesy little jokes at the beginning of this podcast because I did want to say something. So Cassie Dillon, I, I, I shouted it out at the end of last episode, but I, I want to give it another shout out because I love the podcast. I love Cassie. They're, Cassie and Brad are doing such a great job at, at hot takes. And you know what? Before you listen to me, Okay, actually, after you listen to me, because let's face it, I'm so important. Like, my opinions are, you just, you need to hear them. But after you listen to me, go over to Hot Takes. You can find it on SoundCloud, Google Play, or iTunes. And I'm pretty sure there's other places to find it. But those are the three that I know about. And give them a listen. Their banter's really good. The podcast is high quality. Okay, it's it's going to be huge. Trust me. Hot Takes with Brad and Cassie. Go give it a listen. And you know what? After that little endorsement, I think we're just going to jump right in today. So if I get heated at all today, don't 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 think that I'm just some emotional mess, okay? This specifically, the two issues that I'm going to talk about today, and I say two, but really if we have time, I'm going to talk about three, but I don't think we'll have time. Uh, the third issue that I'm going to talk about, I'll, I'll give you a little spoiler that if we have time, I want to dive in to the complex issue of manspreading because, you know, manspreading, it perpetuates the patriarchy in such a way that it threatens society itself. It's essentially like if, if a woman sees you manspreading, you are contributing to her subjection. Okay, guys out there, you need, I don't care how much it hurts, you just gotta squeeze your legs together, crush your balls, alright, it's, you just gotta do it for the ladies out there, and, uh, <laughs> but if, if we have time, we'll get into the oppressive nature of manspreading at the end of the podcast, but for now, I wanted to talk about something that, you know what, and I'm glad that it's not going to be the sole issue of the podcast, but I gotta give it a little run through, and that is Brett Kavanaugh. Yes, Judge Kavanaugh was finally confirmed. So, goodbye, Judge Kavanaugh, and hello, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh. And that's a mouthful. But yes, Kavanaugh was confirmed with a 50 to 48 vote. That was odd. If I had to have, you know, placed a bet, because we did, I wasn't able to cover this in the last episode because there wasn't really enough information on how senators would specifically be voting yet. But if, if I had to have, you know, placed a bet before the vote... I would have said it was going to be something like 52 to 48. Uh, and, and the 50 to 48 vote was a little baffling because we lost one GOP senator as a voter because it, it was Senator Daines, and I completely understand why Senator Daines didn't vote. It wasn't because he was abstaining to resist Brett Kavanaugh. I saw, like, I, I had a few friends reach out to me going like, oh my God, why isn't Daines there? Because they weren't really paying attention to the news. They just saw that Senator Daines, Senator of Montana, wasn't there. Um, and, and the reason that he wasn't there was because he was at his daughter's wedding, which was planned months in advance. Uh, Listen, I, I I love politics, but if I ever have kids one day, I'm going to go to their wedding over a Supreme Court justice vote, unless it's like they need me there. And in case they needed Danes there, they actually had a, a congressman, I forget his name, I think it was Gianforte, offered him a private jet just in case, like he had to make a speedy flight over to D.C. But Kavanaugh passed, so Danes wasn't there. He didn't get to vote. And the other GOP senator that we lost, the reason why it was 50. So without Danes, it should have been 51 to 48. 
But the reason why it was 50 was Senator Murkowski. So Senator Murkowski, the amazing GOP senator from Alaska, the, the senator who really embodies conservative values. I mean, listen, Ted Cruz, Ben Sass, Lisa Murkowski. Lisa Murkowski, she's just cheap. She is the most conservative of the three. I mean, let's just be honest here. But Lisa Murkowski, I cannot stand her politics. I usually, and I, I sometimes hear people say that, oh my God, I hate Lisa Murkowski. I don't hate Lisa Murkowski. I don't hate many people in politics. I try to avoid that language, but I do hate her politics. She is, is I don't know what her, her deal is. I mean, listen, it, it is, despite what people say, it is better to have her in the Senate than a Democrat from, from Alaska, don't get me wrong, but she really isn't much better than one. I don't know why she's in the GOP. She's actually so not conservative that she actually lost a GOP primary in her last election, and she only won the general through write-in. So the fact that she won through write-in, by the way, just shows that she, at least then, I don't know about her poll numbers now, but she is a popular figure in Alaskan politics, so I don't think she's going anywhere anytime soon. But Lisa Murkowski is aggravating when it comes to politics. But Lisa Murkowski aside, Jeff Flake and Susan Collins, they're receiving a lot of flack, specifically Susan Collins, because she made this big grand speech about why she would vote for Kavanaugh, uh, and it was, it was a fantastic speech. But she is receiving a lot of flack specifically for voting in the affirmative for Kavanaugh. I didn't think originally that Kavanaugh was going to make it. I didn't. I mean, it was it was looking touch and go. I thought after his his grand kind of rebuttal to Ford, he was going he had a better chance. But I mean, after the last episode of the podcast, I really, I, I was not thinking he was going to make it through because there was just too much adversity there. I was not convinced. I mean, I was right about Murkowski, but I wasn't convinced that Flake and Collins were going to carry through with the vote. And I, I, I mean, as de more details came out, it was pretty clear that Manchin was going to flip, but I did not know at the time that Manchin was, was going to flip in the way that he did. I will say this, and you, listen. I am not a fan of Jeff Flake. I'm not. I Again, I despise the man's politics. I think that overall, he does not work in the best interest of the conservative movement. That being said, you can think what you want about Jeff Flake. You can call him an establishment shill. You can call him spineless. At the end of the day, he, he stuck to his guns. And Jeff Flake saved Kavanaugh. Make no mistake, if Jeff Flake had not called for that prerequisite FBI investigation, which again, wasn't really an investigation, it was more an, an expansion of the background check into Kavanaugh. If, if Jeff Flake had not called for that, again, there were, there were whispers that there were moderate GOP senators, aside from Jeff Flake, aside from Susan Collins, and aside from Lisa Murkowski, that were feeling some trepidation about moving forward with Kavanaugh. Jeff Flake gave the GOP, the moderate GOP, the political clout and the political edge that they needed to comfortably move forward with a yes vote and not vote no or not abstain. Jeff Flake saved Brett Kavanaugh. Again, you can think what you want about the man, but 
in this situation, he was an undoubtable good uh, overall. But now that Kavanaugh has actually confirmed, what has the Democratic response been? Have they, you know, subsided? Have they lurked back into the shadows? Have, have they taken this like good sports? Have they dropped the issue? No. In fact, uh, Democrats are doubling down. So Senator Feinstein's, or most Democratic politicians are doubling down. Senator Feinstein stated on Twitter after the confirmation, quote, confirming Brett Kavanaugh in the face of credible allegations of sexual assault that were not thoroughly investigated and his belligerent partisan performance in last Thursday's hearing undermines the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. Uh, but... That's not all. That's, Democrats aren't just crying foul. They're not just saying that, that Kavanaugh undermines the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. They're not just saying, as they have been, that Kavanaugh is, shifts the Supreme Court to some far-right, Nazi-esque bend. No, Democrats are also talking about impeaching Kavanaugh. Yeah, so you, you can impeach Supreme Court justices, and, and the procedure to impeach a Supreme Court justice is the exact same as a president. And the fact that Democrats are even talking about this, I mean, listen, it's it's food for the base. It's pandering to the base. It's trying to get the base riled up. But impeachment will never, ever happen. It's never... If Even if Democrats... Like, people... I hear people saying, some people on the right, and I'm not going to name names because they mostly... It's mostly been in private conversations. But I've heard some people on the right say that if Democrats take control of the House, they're going to try and impeach Kavanaugh. They're going to bring up impeachment proceedings against Kavanaugh. No, they're not. No, I mean, listen, I don't like to curse on this podcast, but Democrats are talking out their ass. They're not going to do anything. If they take... Even if they took control of the House, they don't do anything. They do nothing. And listen, I'm one of the people that thinks they will take control of the House, but we'll talk about, I don't think it's going to be as, as great of a majority as it was going to be before, but we'll talk more about kind of some poll numbers that have come out. But, but listen, if Democrats take control of the House, they're not going to do anything because I'm going to let you in on a dirty little secret. Impeachments don't usually work. I know, it's shocking. Because, you know, you hear Democrats talking all the time, and I hate to be overly emotional about this. I mean, listen, when, when I talk about Trump here, I am not some avid MAGA, always Trump person. I was a never-Trumper during the general election. But you'd think with how much you hear Democrats talk about impeaching, or at least prominent Democrats, talk about impeaching President Trump, and now impeaching Brett Kavanaugh, impeach this, impeach that. You'd think impeachment was some surefire way to get a political, a political opponent out of office, but it's actually not. Because again, I'm going to say the dirty little secret again, impeachment doesn't work that often. When Bill Clinton was impeached by a Republican House and came up for, for you know, the, the final impeachment vote came up in the Senate, the public sided with Clinton. That He was brought up on perjury, which is the same thing that it looks like, aside from sexual assault, the Democrats want to bring Kavanaugh up on. He was brought up on perjury, and the public sided with Clinton. It made Republicans drastically more unpopular. It helped Democrats in future elections. Impeachment doesn't work. There's, there, It just doesn't work. And by the way, usually when you hear someone discussing the term impeachment, they're not even using it right. Most people think impeaching a president or impeaching a Supreme Court justice means them being taken out of office. No, impeaching is just the process of, of when the House votes to move on, move them on up to the Senate. That's impeachment. So yes, there have been three officials 
impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors in American history. Bill Clinton, Andrew Johnson, and Supreme Court Justice Samuel Chase. Andrew Johnson was acquitted by the Senate by one vote. Bill Clinton was acquitted by the Senate. Samuel Chase was acquitted by the Senate. So, okay, three officials have been impeached, but each and every single one of, of those officials was acquitted. And Andrew Johnson, which, again, he had, there were legitimate claims against Andrew Johnson. I'm, even he wasn't impeached. I know it was only by one vote, but even he wasn't impeached. You're not going to impeach Brett Kavanaugh on unsubstantiated, uncorroborated allegations. The, the whole impeachment narrative and everyone, I'll get into the people who fear impeachment in a second here, but the, the whole impeachment narrative is a load of left-wing BS. And I, I hate, again, I hate to focus on the left-right paradigm so much, but it is, it's left-wing BS. It's, it's extreme Democrats in the Senate and the House that are trying to pander to their base. That's it. Extreme Democrats in the Senate and the House trying to pander to the base, trying to stir Democrats up, trying to get rally their voters, get them active. Listen, and and Cory Booker isn't the only one. There's there's been other Democratic senators, I believe, that have talked about impeachment, but there's also been representatives who have said that they want to move forward with impeachment proceedings. Ted Lieu, who is an I can't stand him. He's a, rep- a Democratic representative in the House and Representative Luis Gutierrez. They have also both called for I- impeaching Kavanaugh because they've they've said that they want to. Uh, they, they they've said that he probably committed perjury. Which FYI, I don't want to get into too into this because listen, every other pundit has covered it better than I I will, or at least the very least. And I'm, this is, if I do it amazingly, just as well as I will. So I'm not going to get into it. But Kavanaugh did not commit perjury. He didn't. And it's it's really amazing. Uh, kind of moving on from impeachment talk here, it's really amazing the narrative, how the narrative on Kavanaugh has shifted. And how that narrative has shifted is how you know that the left doesn't have, to sound like an old fart here for a second, diddly squat. All right, so I'm just going to go through a short progression of, of the Kavanaugh allegations on how bad of a guy Kavanaugh is, according to the left. So Democrats have tried to accuse Kavanaugh of, of first, being a sexual assaulter. And again, I, I, I hope my record stands up pretty confidently because you heard me on the podcast in the last two episodes. I took those allegations extremely seriously. I still genuinely believe something happened to Christine Blasey Ford. But it went from, Brett Kavanaugh is a gross sexual assaulter. And when it looked like that was starting to waver, here comes Julie Swetnick. We're, we're going to talk about Ramirez, but here comes Julie, you know, let's go Ramirez first. Here comes Ramirez to say that, that not only is, is, is Kavanaugh a sexual assaulter, but he is also a person who routinely sexually harasses women because he flashed her in college. It's, it's good to say, by the way, or it's, it's, um, it's valuable to say that Ramirez, again, it, she's less credible than Ford. She is less credible than Christine Blasey Ford. Because at the very least, I said this on uh, I th- I, the No Gimmicks podcast. At the very least with Christine Blasey Ford, you had a woman who, listen, she couldn't remember a lot of details. But at the very least, at the very least... 
Christine Blasey Ford was absolutely sure that it was Kavanaugh who sexually assaulted her. At the very least, she was saying with confidence that it was Kavanaugh. Ramirez couldn't even say that. Ramirez didn't see Kavanaugh flash her. He, she said the only evidence she had of Kavanaugh flashing her was apparently someone crying out, just Brett Kavanaugh just flashed her. And she didn't see him do it, though. She looked up and she saw Kavanaugh standing there and make a motion with his hips as if he was pulling up his pants. So it's it's it kind of sounds like, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it kind of sounds like she didn't even see him pulling up his pants, just that he made a motion with his hips. So she didn't even see Kavanaugh doing it. And then when the New York Times reached out to her, they said that Ramirez, the New York Times... Okay, not the most right-wing outlet here. The New York Times said that she was expressing uh, that uh, that she was expressing reluctance at saying that it was Kavanaugh. That she was unsure that it was actually Kavanaugh who flashed her or not. That should say something about the credibility of this witness. So, so you go from Kavanaugh is both a sexual assaulter and a, ser- a sexual harasser too. That starts to waver. And now Avenatti's girl comes out, and it's Julie Swetnick saying that Kavanaugh is a gang rapist, that Kavanaugh drugged girls so these women could run trains on, so, so or not so these women could run trains, so men could run trains on these women. Running trains is like, I, I believe, I'm not very, I'm a vanilla guy, okay, I'm not very well versed in this lingo, but I believe it's where one guy after another has sex with a girl. So drugging them, gang raping them, and running trains on these drugged women. That's what Swetnick alleged, except that she said that she never even, so in, in she said that originally she was at the very least implying that Kavanaugh was involved in a gang rape with her because she was she said she was gang raped at one of these parties. Then she it, came, it comes out that she didn't actually know if Kavanaugh did it. She didn't see him do it. And it also came out that apparently, uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but from what I've, because I, I say that sometimes when I'm a little bit unsure, about what exactly they said, but from what I remember, it even came out that she said she was unsure if Kavanaugh even did it in general, and she never saw him, that she never saw him do any of the things she was alleging other people of doing, of, of the gang rape. So then the the, the whole idea, because all, all of these uncredible women come forward, again, Christine Blasey Ford is not credible, but is the most credible. And people calling Christine Blasey Ford a credible witness, like Diane Feinstein saying she's a credible witness. Listen, I emotionally connected with Christine Blasey Ford during her testimony. I felt her pain. But just because you can connect with someone, just because you can feel sympathy for them, does not mean they are, are credible. It just doesn't. And she wasn't. And she isn't. Okay, so but then that, that narrative broke down. And it moved on from Kavanaugh as a gang rapist to Kavanaugh as a belligerent drunk. Kavanaugh was a frat boy who excessively drank and blacked out. And that was an attempt to try to prove a narrative that Kavanaugh probably just blacked out and forgot that he sexually assaulted Christine Blasey Ford. A man who, number one, a man who forgets that he, he sexually assaulted someone does not say with absolute certainty, who, who has those tendencies, does not say with absolute certainty that he didn't sexually assault someone. That, that's number one. But number two, even that theory started to break down and Democrats more focused on Kavanaugh just being a drunk, that he was a drunk, that he was an alcoholic, that he had an alcohol problem. And then that started to break down, even though that narrative still is, is circulating a little bit. Now it's Kavanaugh is a perjurer. He perjured. Again, Kavanaugh did not perjure, that he lied during his testimony. And if it means anything as to the, the credibility of all of these accusations, Leland Ingham Kaiser, the longtime friend of Christine Blasey Ford, this is according to the Wall Street Journal. 
And I'm going to quote a Fox article on that article. <laughs> I know it's, it's articleception here. But, but according to Fox News, quote, Kaiser, when she was interviewed by the FBI, Leland Ingham Kaiser, Fox News says, quote, Kaiser told the investigators that she was, as the journal notes, urged to clarify her statement by Monica McLean, a former FBI agent and friend of Ford's. The paper reported citing people familiar with the matter. Hmm. So this went into a broader kind of, it was, it was disingenuous attempts to get Leland Ingham Kaiser to change her, her testimony. To make it more in support of what Ford said, to make it more in support of Ford's versions of version of of events, Ford's people tried to say that they did not pressure Leland Ingham Kaiser to change her testimony. They did. So Leland Ingham Kaiser, the woman who said she did not know Kavanaugh, who said she was never at a party with Kavanaugh, and she doesn't remember ever being at a party with Kavanaugh, was urged by some of Ford's friends, not just urged but pressured, to change her testimony when being interviewed by the FBI. The narrative on Kavanaugh has broken down. It has. And I'm going to read you a quote from a Red State article. And Listen, I, I usually try when I'm, I, I go over polls to not quote partisan sources, but the article is in Red State. But the poll was done by uh, National Public Radio, PBS NewsHour. Yeah, it was National Public Radio and PBS NewsHour. So let's 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 read a quote here, and this is you'll see why Democrats are trying to get their base so fired up now, because the tides have turned. Now Republicans are more fired up than ever. This is unified Republicans. What was going to seem like a Democratic midterm blowout in terms of a voter turnout has changed into, according to this poll, a statistical tie. So the, the, the article says, quote, back in mid-July, there was a 10-point enthusiasm advantage for the Democrats in terms of, you know, who would go out and vote uh, or, or who was more enthusiastic about voting. 78% to 68%. The new October poll dropped that down to two points. 82% for Democrats and 80% for Republicans. Winning the polls for, within the fours, oh my God, <laughs> my tongue's twisted, within the polls, 4.2% margin of error. In other words, the enthusiasm level between the two parties is a statistical tie. Sorry, my tongue talk, my tongue got twisted on that article. I'm, I'm getting too fired up, talking too fast. But at this point, Republicans have become unified. And not only are they unified, but they are, are fired up. They want to vote. They, they don't want to deal with the Democratic BS anymore. And that has led to this tie. That, this statistical tie. That has led to the increased enthusiasm among Republicans. And the reason why, this is my theory, the reason why that you see some Democrats promoting the impeachment talk is because they're scared. They're scared of the new Republican enthusiasm. They want their voters to, again, become more enthused than Republican voters. And they're going to try and do that by selling them this snake oil, uh, this, this snake oil political scheme of, we're going to impeach Kavanaugh if you vote for us. Just like the GOP said at one point, we'll repeal Obamacare if you vote for us. They didn't actually do it. They, they, they repealed parts, but they didn't actually do it. But they said they were to get the votes. Same thing goes here. All right. It's that time in the podcast, everyone, where Eric Schaefer, the amazing, the wonderful Eric Schaefer, me, makes his famous, or one of his famous, transitions, segues. <laughs> so moving on. From that topic, I've, I've got all the, the anger out of my system. I've got all the, the fire, the, the tea. I spilled it. It's, it's all out. 
But we're going to move on to talking about something where, I mean, I'm sorry if you don't like this, but I am going to go after the right a little bit here. So Taylor Swift, the queen, yes! <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. Taylor Swift, the queen, posted on Instagram that she would not be voting for Congresswoman Marsha Blackburn in her Senate race. Uh, and it, it, it's just drawn a lot of backlash from her more conservative fans. And it's, it's, it, let's, let's be honest, it's produced a lot of trash takes. So I'm going to read her full post on Instagram because I want to have this all in context. It's a mouthful. Okay. So just, just, just bear, bear with me. I, and by the way, the post, despite the, the fact that I disagree with it, and I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, by the way, I'm one of those people who does not care what celebrities say left or right. Like, I, I don't care what James Woods says on James Woods says on politics. I don't care what Taylor Swift says on politics. I don't care what Ben Affleck says on politics. But I will say the post was well, well written, despite the fact that I disagree with the outcome. So Taylor Swift posted on Instagram, quote, I'm writing this post about the upcoming midterm elections on November 6th, in which I'll be voting in the state of Tennessee. In the past, I've been reluctant to publicly vo voice my political opinions, but due to several events in my life and in the world in the past two years, I feel very differently about that now. I always have and always will cast my vote based on which candidate will protect and fight for the human rights I believe we all deserve in this country. I believe in the fight for LGBTQ rights and that any form of discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender is wrong. I believe that the systemic racism we still see in this country towards people of color is terrifying, sickening, and prevalent. I cannot vote for someone who will, who will not be willing to fight for dignity for all Americans, no matter their skin color, gender, or who they love. Running for Senate in the state of Tennessee is a woman named Marsha Blackburn. As much as I have in the past and would like to continue voting for women in office, I, continue, I cannot support Marsha Blackburn. Her voting record in Congress appalls and terrifies me. She voted against equal pay for women. She voted against the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act, which attempts to protect women from domestic violence, stalking, and date rape. She believes businesses have a right to refuse service to gay couples. She also believes they should not have the right to marry. These are not my Tennessee values. I will be voting for, for Phil Bredesen for Senate and Jim Cooper for House of Representatives. Please, please educate yourself on the candidates running in your state and vote based on who most closely represents your values. For a lot of us, we may never, we may never find a candidate or party with whom we agree 100% on every issue, but we have to vote anyway. So many intelligent, thoughtful, self-possessed people have turned 18 in the past two years and now have the right and privilege to make their voice count. But first, you need to register, which is quick and easy to do. October 9th is the last day to register in the, vote of Tennessee, er, in the state of Tennessee. Go to vote.org and you can find all the info. Happy voting. Um, so, I, 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 you may not know, but I have show notes. And the show notes just like it has five bullet points on it. This quote was one of the bullet points, and the bullet point right under it, which I think properly summarizes the situation, is the right flipped out. <laughs> That's what I went there to remind myself. And they did. The right absolutely and positively flipped out. And before we go into this, before I defend Taylor Swift, number one, 
I think that despite being well written, there are a lot of opinions in that post that seem ill-informed. And, and I think Taylor Swift is overall likely misinformed. But number two, she expressed her opinions in a very respectful and civil way, which is something the right is always I don't want to say whining, but they're always preening about. They always want civility in politics, at least when it benefits them. So so Taylor Swift was very civil in this post. I have no problem with the post overall. Listen, is she, just because someone disagrees with me doesn't mean they're evil. Just because someone disagrees with me, a celebrity or otherwise, doesn't mean I'm going to flip out. I disagree with a lot of the things she said here, and maybe we'll get into that in another episode, but there's just not enough time to go through everything. I most Again, I just mostly want to go through the right's reaction here, because the reaction, number one, is not mature and it's cringy, but number two, it's, it's absolutely hypocritical to the, what, what the right stands for. You know, it's it's one moment we're asking people to be civil. We're asking people to be kind in their expressing their opinions. We're asking people to be, at the very least, listen, again, as ill-informed as I think the opinion is, articulate. You know, we're asking people to allow us to freely express our, our ideas. And what do you have on the right when Taylor Swift voices her opinion on politics? What do you have on the right when she civilly and freely expresses her ideas? As as so many on the right call, they they praise Kanye for being a free thinker. What happens when Taylor Swift is a free thinker? You descend on her. Conservatives pounce is essentially what happened, and I, I just think the overall response is rather hypocritical. So I'm gonna I actually took some screenshots of some of the more abysmal takes, and trust me, there's a lot of bad takes, but these are the just the more abysmal ones. So and and I'll kind of go after each one. And then I'll kind of dissect the broader trend of outrage here. So Candace Owens says, quote, On the heels of at Taylor Swift 13, feeling the need to, as all Hollywood elitists do, use black people and minority as pawns to brainwash people into doing their bidding, I would like to come out to Tennessee and campaign for Marsha Blackburn. Marsha, let's do this, MAGA. Alright, you know, I, I don't know if this will get me in trouble for saying this. I, I really don't. I'll, I'm just going to say it because this is this is what I genuinely believe. Candace Owens is a cancer on the right wing. She's a cancer on the conservative movement. She's 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 a, a literal big tumor on the conservative movement. Conservatives constantly bemoan identity politics. We constantly come out against ill-informed opinions. We constantly come out against attributing motive to people. That's what we do. And Candace Owens ends up using identity politics. Like, listen to this. Uh, 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 she feeling the need to, as Holly, all Hollywood elitists do, use black people and minority as pawns to brainwash people into doing their bidding? It's, yeah, I'm Listen, I think identity politics is a major issue on the, black, uh, on the left. I think that a lot of prominent left-wing politicians, politicians, not the average everyday celebrity that expresses their opinions, not the average everyday left-winger, I think a lot of politicians disingenuously and and rather disgustingly take advantage of identity politics and mis and, and mistreat their their black base. I, I agree on that issue. But not every left winger, not everyone who expresses a left wing opinion is is trying to mobilize and brainwash blacks and minorities to do their bidding. That's that's such a bad opinion because she thinks systemic racism is a thing all of a sudden because Candace Owens is the pro she she constantly promulgates this notion that if you're a minority who disagrees with her, if you're a minority who finds themselves on the left, you are quote-unquote on the plantation. That's racist as hell. 
That's right. And you know what? The right says, oh, she can't be racist because she's black. They, like, they, they literally use the same excuse for Candace Owens that racist African-American people on the left use to be racist against white people. That's, that's a racist as heck comment to say that people who disagree with you are simply on the plantation. Just because Taylor Swift, and again, I disagree. I think it's an ill-informed opinion. But just because she thinks systemic racism is still a prevalent issue today does not mean she has the bad motive of mobilizing black people and minorities as pawns to brainwash people into doing their bidding. That's such a bad opinion. This is, and you know what, we talk about civility, we talk about the increasing divide in America, the right particularly, and they complain about it, and then you have people who support tweets like this. 51,000 likes, 16,000 retweets. If the right were genuinely principled, if the right were genuinely intellectually honest, this tweet would be ratioed. This tweet would be called out to high heaven by almost every right-winger of value. But guess what? It's not because Candace Owens is popular and she's a part of TPUSA. It was a bad take. It's a trash take. But let's move on to another, uh, another again, because just, just holding an opinion of the left, holding an informed opinion of the left, celebrity or not, does not mean automatically that you are some racist who's trying to brainwash minorities. That is an absolute identity, ident identity politics statement, and it's trash. It's trash. But let's move on to another take. So, so Fox News published an article by uh, Dan Gaynar. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but the title of the article is, and, and you can pretty much gain, I read the article, you can pretty much garner the meaning and the point of the article from the title in this case. I usually encourage reading the whole article, but I'm not going to read the whole article to you. I read the whole article. I'll go over it. But Dan Gaynar says in, in, in an article for Fox News, quote, Taylor Swift sends her conservative fans a breakup note and the liberal media love it. No, she didn't. No, she did. You know, okay, so let's 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 contrast Taylor Swift's statement. A respectful statement, disagreeing with certain conservative ideals, disagreeing with other celebrity statements. Taylor Swift didn't say, like some other celebrities who I could very well name, conservative fans get out. She didn't she didn't say conservatives don't listen to me. Conservatives don't buy my stuff. Conservatives don't come to my concerts. Do you know how many celebrities have done that? Do you know how many... Taylor Swift didn't do that. She said she didn't agree with Marsha Blackburn. That doesn't mean she, that she's trying to... Alien, not, even, not just alienate, but that doesn't mean she's trying to get rid of or purge her conservative fans. It doesn't mean she has disdain for conservatives. Overall, literally until just now, she was a conservative darling. She's not getting her conservative fans the boot. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Just because you express a left-wing opinion or hold a certain view does not mean that, you're tr that you don't want or that, you, that you're being hostile to conservatives. I I'll use Louis C.K. as an example. Now, Louis C.K., a gross individual with the Me Too stuff, a really gross guy with all the allegations that were leveled against him, but I'm, I'm going to use his comedy. Louis C.K. had a gen had a genuine left wing bend in his comedy. Louis C.K. had a genuine left wing bend in his commentary. Louis C.K., despite the political opinions that he expressed, and he expressed them funnily a lot of the time, despite the political opinions that he he expressed 
It didn't make him Stephen Colbert. He was not openly hostile to conservative opinions. He was not openly hostile to conservative fans. Daniel Tosh, do you know that uh, from what I've gathered from Daniel Tosh's stand-up, avid supporter of abortion, avid supporter of a lot of liberal issues. The right likes him because he tells offensive humor, or, or he says offensive things, tells has offensive humor, and, and doesn't conform to PC culture. And I think it's hilarious. But Daniel Tosh overall is really left wing. Guess what? Daniel Tosh isn't conservative, or, or isn't hostile to conservative fans. Daniel Tosh isn't saying to conservative fans, "Don't come to my shows," just because he expresses left wing ideals. This is the most idiotic take. I, 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 no, actually, Candace Owens' tweet, that's one of the reasons why I decided to have it on the podcast, because that was the most idiotic take. This is the second most idiotic take I've seen. If you can find another one, please send it to me, because I'm sure there's more idiotic takes out there. The conservative reaction to Taylor Swift, and you know what, some people were saying that Taylor Swift, and I saw this, and this was more among minor fans, or not minor fans, minor accounts, people who aren't famous, but it was still a great chunk of people, so I'm going to bring up the opinion. I saw, myself, a lot of people saying that Taylor Swift was maligning the character of Marsha Blackburn, that she was saying that Marsha, Marsha Blackburn was a homophobe, that Marsha Blackburn, that Taylor Swift said Marsha, Marsha Blackburn supported, was, was, was complicit in sexual assault, that she didn't care. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to go over two things. One, I think that businesses have the right to discriminate against people of, of, of homosexual persuasion. I don't think it's right for them to do it. I think it's immoral. And I would gladly engage in a boycott of that business, especially when they're doing it in an immoral manner. Not that they're doing it for religious liberty purposes, which I also think they have that right, but just because they're, they're a-holes. I would gladly take my business elsewhere and help homosexual people, okay? But I think businesses have that right. Just because Taylor Swift disagrees with Marsha Blackburn on the philosophy, because she said it so respectfully, she disagrees with Marsha Blackburn's philosophy on gay marriage. Marsha Blackburn legitimately does not think gay marriage is a right. She doesn't. Not only isn't it is it not a right, but she doesn't think that it should be allowed in a, in a just society. At least that's what I've, because I did my research, I bulked up a little bit, that's what I've garnered from Marsha Blackburn's sentiments on gay marriage, that it's an immoral act, but not only that it's immoral, because as a Christian, I think it's, I think it's, it's immoral, but I, I don't care. I think it's immoral, but it's not my duty to have the government come down on you just because I think what you're committing is a sin. I, I, I from what I've read, Marsha Blackburn disagrees. But the fact that Taylor Swift said she disagrees with Marsha Blackburn's philosophy on gay marriage. She disagrees with Marsha Blackburn's philosophy on whether businesses have the right to discriminate against gay couples. And listen, whether you believe businesses have that right or not, it's still discrimination. It is. And Taylor Swift doesn't think businesses have the right to discriminate. That's totally there. I disagree with it. I think I, if someone debated her, someone knowledgeable on it, they... they quote-unquote, own the lib. <laughs> but she because she doesn't agree with Marsha Blackburn there and thus refuses to vote for her because she wants to vote for someone who furthers her interest of upholding these these 
positive rights, they're called positive rights, these civil rights for certain individuals, that does not mean she's calling Marsha Blackburn a homophobe. She never once impugned the character of Marsha Blackburn. And then you have people saying that she's saying Marsha Blackburn is okay with sexual assault, totally complicit in sexual assault. Just because you are saying to someone that they didn't vote things, and listen, uh, Charlie Kirk, I usually, I rarely give him praise, but he did have a good interview on Fox and Friends. I'm not extremely well-versed on Marsha Blackburn's record, but if what he said is true, it sounds like Marsha Blackburn does genuinely give a hoot about human trafficking, it's, it, trafficking and it sounds like her rep- record represents that. But, just because you say that someone, in not passing the legislation that you think would help the issue, made it easier for sexual assaults, or other other crimes to be committed does not mean you're saying they're okay with that does not mean you're saying they're complicit in it i think mayor bill de blasio has has ignored policies that would help lower the murder rate in in, in i think he's he's ignored policies that would help lower the drug abuse rate that does not mean that i think bill de blasio is okay with murder you see the difference The right-wing reaction to Taylor Swift, the right-wing reaction to this whole thing, to a celebrity expressing a different opinion, not just expressing a different opinion because she wasn't an a-hole about it, but expressing it respectfully is so hypocritical and it's so infuriating. I don't agree with her post either. I don't. Overall, I, I do agree with her on gay marriage. I think a gay right, a gay couples have every right, every much as right to be married as straight couples do. I don't think it's the same thing. I don't think it's as moral, but I think they have the ability and should have the right to do it. Like if the if, if the government is going to be involved in the business of marriage, then allow gay, gay couples and straight couples to be treated equally under the law. That's how the system of law should work. But I, I agree with her on a few things, but overall I disagree with the sentiment of the post. But just because I disagree with it doesn't mean that I think she's being she's being rude. She's giving conservative fans the boot. Doesn't, doesn't think I mean that, that conservative fans should stop listening to her, that she's saying things that she's clearly not. Never impugned the character of Marsha Blackburn, just said that she disagrees with some of her views and philosophies, and that's okay. That's okay. Just because Taylor Swift, and you know what, the last thing I'll say, and I, I may have said it before, I don't know, this has been heated so I may have forgotten, but the right constantly says that, listen, the left calls us evil just because they disagree with us. We don't do that. We don't do that. You're you're claiming that Taylor Swift, because now that Taylor Swift has express, expressed a left-wing opinion, she's expressed it respectfully, and she clearly did not call Marsha Blackburn evil for disagreeing with some of her philosophies on issues. But you are still claiming that she is. And you're demonizing her for respectfully expressing an opinion. Do you see how hypocritical that is? It's, it's absolutely asinine, this whole issue. It shouldn't even be a thing. It should have just been a normal thing where the, the mainstream media writes a little article on it, the right takes it in stride, and that's it. But no, the right is so used to being combative. They're, they're, we're getting so immersed in this mindset of, well, we have to fight like them, that we're losing all of our principle, we're losing all of the defining traits that make us conservative in terms of how we act within the political sphere, and it's absolutely, it's just annoying. All right, that 
<laughs> was the end of today's episode of The Lone Conservative. I know, again, amazing segue. I hope you enjoyed. And if you did, please subscribe on SoundCloud. If you're listening there, give the track a like or subscribe on iTunes and, and you know, give us a five-star review. Uh, if you're on Google Play, I don't know what you do on Google Play, but do whatever helps us <laughs> there. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on social media for any updates at at loco underscore pod and make sure to follow lone conservative on twitter and instagram the accounts are just absolutely fabulous they're hilarious and finally as i said at the beginning of the podcast make sure to go give hot takes with brad and cassie a listen it's really awesome and thank you so much for listening i'll see you next episode peace out